Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well on this feast of Saint Luke, uh, the 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 one of the four gospels that most portrays the humanity of our Lord Jesus. It's a magnificent gospel, and you know, um, once when I was deciding what gospel to do a book on, um, I actually did a, a Bible study on the Gospel of Luke, and it's um, it was published by Catholic Answers, but I think it's just about out of print right now. It's been it's been some years. Um, and of course, I left Catholic Answers uh, after nine years. Magnificent uh, apostolate Catholic Answers. Absolutely trustworthy, uh, fantastic, probably the largest lay-run apologetic and um, uh, evangelis- evangelistic apostolate, that's a mouthful, uh, in North America, just be- founded by Carl Keating. Um, the cr- president, current president is uh, uh, Dr. Christopher Check. It's a magnificent um, uh, apostolate, just magnificent. And so we published the Gospel of Luke, um, and uh, I was deciding which I was going to go for Matthew, um, and I had a friend who said, why Matthew? I said, well, because it's the whole Jewish roots of the faith. Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jewish people of that time, and she looked at me and said, but Luke is Mary's gospel, and I said, that does it, that does it, it's going to be Luke, Mary's gospel, uh, the rosary, the the Gloria be the, I forget now is so much. Everything is in Luke. It's really, really beautiful. So, if you have not read that magnificent gospel, I would, I would want to urge you um, to read it. Um, I am going to uh, continue the Rosary. We're at the glorious mysteries, beloved, um, in the book, the fifteen mysteries, um, the um, meditations. On the Fifteen Mysteries by Bishop Fulton Sheen. Um, I don't know what. Oh yes, nineteen forty-four. He wrote it, um, and it's. Uh, and a couple of you out there helped me to see that it wasn't yet out of print. Um, but it's. It. We've been reading such beautiful things. I've had comments from an, a number of you on how beautiful it is, and you can still get the book. It's in print, and it's very inexpensive. Um, a meditation on the 15 mysteries of the rosary. Of course, when Bishop Sheen did this, the luminous mysteries were not here yet. So, <clears throat> so we're, we're doing the 15 now, the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious. And the glorious, of course, as you know, begins with the resurrection. So I'll read from Bishop Sheen. Our blessed Lord compared himself to a seed, saying that unless the seed fell to the ground and died it would not spring forth to life. He now, by the power of God, rises with the flowers of springtime in the newness of life and gives to the earth the only serious wound it ever received, the irreparable wound of an empty grave. 
I tell you, I've read so many things, but every time I read Bishop Sheen, I read things no one has ever said before. So magnificent is he. Bishop Sheen says, The birth of the Son of God in the form of man was announced to a virgin. The first announcement of his resurrection was made to a repentant sinner, Magdalene, that none of us would be without hope. Thomas the Apostle would not believe until he had put his hand into his side and his fingers into our Lord's hands. Thus do we know that our Lord kept not his wounds, but his scars as proof of his love. Quote, with these was I wounded in the house of those who love me. End quote. The resurrection begins to affect our lives the day of baptism. When baptized, we are plunged into the waters as if buried in the sepulcher to sin and death, emerging from the waters clothed with grace as the principle of divine love. We are like the Christ rising from the tomb in the glory of the resurrection. Beloved, if you have your newborn blessed, as soon as he or she comes from the womb, all of that happens. All of that happens. I'm going to reread it. Whether you're a hundred years old or you're a day old, the resurrection, I'll reread that sentence. It's glorious. The resurrection begins to affect our lives the day of baptism. When baptized, we are plunged into the waters as if buried in the sepulcher to sin and death, emerging from the waters clothed with grace as in the principle of divine love. We are like the Christ rising from the tomb in the glory of the resurrection. I remember in my evangelical Protestant years when it was taught that baptism simply got you wet. We did that in obedience. It was an ordinance, not a sacrament. Uh, We did it simply in obedience to Christ, and it was a sign, but nothing happened. Because in the Protestant mind, when we ask Jesus into our heart, we're already saved. And the, and the, the baptism is in obedience to show what happened when we were saved. So that as we go into the water, it's the picture of dying with Christ. As we come out, it's the picture of rising with him to new life. That's exactly what baptism is. Whether someone's 50 years old when they're baptized or, or 10 minutes old, it's the same thing, the thing with the Catholic Church. It is, it is symbolic, and God shows us through the symbols he has given us what he is doing in the soul. And so, yes, as we plunge into the water or if it's poured over us, um, we are buried to sin and death. And then when we come out, when we rise up, we are risen uh, to new life. And, but we have the life. It's true. It's actual. It's real. It is what God does in our souls as we die to sin and are born again from above to new life. God does it through the waters of baptism. And we, are, we come out a new creation. Bishop Sheen says, though we are risen in spirit with Christ so that our conversation is in heaven, our bodies will not share that glory until our own final resurrection. In the meantime, our body must be crucified with Christ's that we may rise with Christ. On the road to Emmaus, 
on Easter Sunday. That's Luke chapter 24. Oh, beloved, I love that scene. I absolutely love that scene. On the road to Emmaus on Easter Sunday, our Lord said to his disciples, was it not to be expected that the Christ should undergo undergo these sufferings and enter into his glory? But if that be the law of innocence, then how shall we, the guilty, hope to escape it? I love that scene of the two disciples walking along the road to Emmaus. Our Lord had been buried. He had been put to death. He had been buried. And um, it was, I think, about four in the morning. Um, the next day, because the women couldn't go on Saturday, he was buried on fr- he was buried on Friday, and the women prepared the spices for his burial according to Jewish custom. But they couldn't go on the Sabbath because of the law of God. So they went early in the morning on Sunday. They went to the grave to anoint him with spices, according again to the Jewish law and according to. Um, the understanding of the tradition in the scriptures, it was about four, uh, very early five in the morning. The sun was hardly up yet, and they found the grave empty. And it was, and then our Lord appeared to, uh, they ran to tell everyone the tomb was empty, and then Mary Magdalene stayed, and she she. Uh, thought she saw a gardener, and she said, where did you put him? Where did you put my Lord? And one word from that supposed gardener, um, Mary, and she said, Rabboni. She knew his voice, and she knew it was him. And it was about 4 o'clock that afternoon, about 12 hours later, that the disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus, very downcast, and Jesus came and walked alongside them, but they didn't recognize him at all. And he said, what's wrong? Why are you so downcast? And they said, because of the things that have happened in these days. And he said, what things? What things? What are you talking about? What what things? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what happened? That that Jesus uh, was crucified and, and died and was buried and we had hoped it was him that would redeem Israel? They were just all upset. How can't you know that? And then Jesus said to them, O slow of heart, O foolish men, and slow of heart, to believe all the prophets have written. Was it not written that the Son of Man should die and rise from the dead? And as he walked along uh, the road to Emmaus, he broke bread, and they recognized it was him. And I'm I'm just kind of roughly giving you chapter 24 of of the Gospel of Luke, because I love that chapter so much. And so I've read it many times. Um, And they invited him in the house, and um, he said to them on the road, if you would have believed Moses, you would have believed me, because Moses spoke of me. And they began, their eyes began to be opened, and with the breaking of the bread in their house, um, they begged him to stay on with them, weren't quite sure who he was yet. But in the breaking of the bread, they recognized him. And then he just vanished from their sight. And they ran and told everybody that he was alive. 
it's such, I've got chills trying to remember it all to tell you, uh, as the scriptures, Luke chapter 24 says it. It's so magnificent, beloved. If you've not read the Gospel of Luke, read it. Sit down tonight. Sit down this weekend. Read the whole Gospel. It's absolutely magnificent. The second glorious mystery, as you know, is what? Go ahead. If you're listening with children or family, go ahead and say it. What's the second glorious mystery? Yes, it is the ascension, our Lord's ascension into heaven. Just ascended up in the air and went back to to sit at the right hand of his Father. And Bishop Sheen says this, Our blessed Lord did not ascend to heaven immediately after the resurrection, but remained on earth for 40 days, speaking to the apostles, about the kingdom of God. It was during these days that he gave the details of his church, which he said would have its visible manifestation on Pentecost. Now, listen to this. He gave the details of his church, which he said would have its visible manifestation on Pentecost. The church was born from the blood and water that poured out of the side um, of our Savior on the cross. But the church in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Scriptures, which the Jewish people call the Tanakh, um, there's no word such as church. Church seems to the Jewish people to be a Gentile word, not a Jewish word. The word in the Old Covenant the word that God used was kahal, Q without a U, Q-A-H-O-L, kahal. And it meant an assembly of people, the, the, the people that God called to himself. And they were to be a set-apart people, a people set apart to obey his laws. They were set apart by their liturgy, by their food, by their habits, by their clothing, by their government, by everything they did and did not do. They were a people set apart. They were to live in the midst of the world as a peculiar people. And they did, those who obeyed for the most part. Um, Jesus now uh, founded the, the church on the church. He founded the church on the Kahal, on the 12 Jewish apostles. And one defected. So uh, they picked Matthias to replace Judas, and they had 12. And the church was founded, uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, on the apostles and prophets. Um, and on those 12 disciples, all Jewish, and, and which he said would have its visible manifestation on Pentecost. It already existed. The people of God already existed. But it would be come visibly manifest on Pentecost. And um, uh, I know I need to go on with the Ascension, but let me just say that Pentecost is known as the birthday of Judaism. It was the birthday of the church. It's the Greek word uh, for uh, Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks. And it was on that Jewish festival that God gave the law to Israel, and it's considered the birthday of Judaism. 
and it was on the birthday of Judaism, according to the law, that uh, feast that all the Jews, 20 years old and over, had to go to Jerusalem. So there were thousands of them, 3,000 plus, flooding Jerusalem because it was their feast of Shavuot. And according to the Lord, they needed to be up there. And so they celebrated the harvest and they celebrated also the birthday of the church on Mount Sinai. That is Simchas Torah, the giving of the law to the Jewish people on Mount Sinai. And it was on the feast of Shavuot, Shavuot where they were also se- celebrating Simchas Torah, rejoicing, uh, Simchas Torah, the law, rejoicing over the law that God poured out his spirit on that Jewish holiday, Pentecost. It's Jewish. If you look at Jewish websites, you will see the word Pentecost. It's their feast. It's not a Gentile feast. It's a Jewish feast. And God poured out his spirit on that feast of Pentecost. And he made the manifestation. Um, it was the manifestation of the church. Um on Pentecost, and he poured out his spirit on all those Jews, and everyone thought they were junk, drunk because they began speaking in tongues. And all, not Babel, but they were actually speaking in languages, foreign languages, because these were Jews from all over the area. They didn't all live in Jerusalem, and they spoke in all different dialects. And so they were all speaking in their own dialect, and yet they were understood by everybody, uh, even though it would be as if we would be gathered and it would be, some people were German, some were Russian, some were Chinese, some were American, some were African, uh, uh, or Hispanic, or whatever it is. And we'd all be together in the same house, and everybody would be speaking in their own native tongue, and yet you would understand them all. That was the gift of tongues, that we were able to understand everyone's language as if it was ours. It was magnificent, beloved, and it became what was the birthday of Judaism, became then the birthday of the church, the birthday of the Kohal, that received the Holy Spirit of God and spoke in tongues and uh, began to manifest the Spirit of God within them. And because the New Testament is written in Greek and not Hebrew, the Greek word for kohol is ekklesia, the ecclesia, that is the church, the called out ones. It's simply the Greek for kohol. It is the called out ones, again, like Israel of old, who were called out by God, you and I, if we are Catholic, you and I, called out ones, and we are to be set apart by a liturgy that God has given, not that we made up ourselves, not that we destroyed or distorted, but the liturgy that God gave, and the... um, the feasts that God gave, and the government that God gave, which is the magisterium of the church. And we are to be set apart by what we do, how we dress, how we worship. We are to be set apart and to be a a peculiar people, if you will, in the midst of an evil age. And that's how God intended 
to convert the world by our living as his people in the midst of it. Today, it is the saddest thing that Catholics live like the world. It is tragic that we live like the rest of the world, as I've been saying recently, shopping on Sundays when it should be God's day and the stores should be closed. They're never going to be closed if they have our business. Restaurants open, going out to eat on Sunday. To please ourselves, extremely selfish, because then those restaurants stay open. And mothers and and others, uh, fathers or, or other people, have to work on a Sunday if they want to earn a living. They, may, they must work on a Sunday. If we would live our faith, everything would be closed as it used to be. And they'd still have six days of pay. They wouldn't go without pay. They simply wouldn't be demanded to work on Sunday and have Tuesday off, that sort of thing. We are God's people. We are the call of God. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones. And beloved, if we remain selfish... If we remain in the world and of it, there's no hope for the world and little hope for us, beloved, because we have a mission. We are the people of God and we are not to be in the world. We are not. We are to be in the world, rather, but not of it. I'll go on with the ascension now from Bishop Sheen. He says, and so the Lord Jesus, when he had finished speaking to them, um, uh, let me let me start from the beginning sentence. Our blessed Lord did not ascend to heaven immediately after the resurrection, but remained on earth for 40 days, speaking to the apostles about the kingdom of God. It was during these days that he gave the details of his church, his kahol, his ecclesia, which he said would have its visible manifestation on Pentecost. And so the Lord Jesus when he had finished speaking to them, was taken up to heaven and is seated now at the right hand of God. Seated, Bishop Sheen says, is a figurative expression of eternal repose, which he has merited by his victory over sin. At the right hand is a symbol of his power of eternal intercession before his heavenly Father on our behalf. The ascension of Christ is the assurance of our own ascension into heaven after the last judgment. Not yet ascended in body, we nevertheless enjoy the ascension of our minds in union with him. We find our true home in heaven. It is to heaven that we look expectedly for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to save us. He will form this humbled body of ours anew, modeling it into the image of his glorified body. So effective is his power to make all things obey him. I'm thinking of Paul's words to the Colossians. If you have died with Christ, if you have died and risen with him, seek the things that are above, not the things that are on the earth. You have a new home in heaven now. Seek the things that are above. Bishop Sheen says, O heavenly magnet, capital M, O heavenly magnet, in each communion, draw our body and blood to thy own, that already following thee in heart, we may later ascend with thee 
in the flesh. Isn't it beautiful? Let me say it again. O heavenly magnet, in each communion, draw our body and blood to thy own, that already following thee in heart, we may later ascend with thee in the flesh. Absolutely beautiful. The third mystery, of course, the glorious mystery, is the ascent of the the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit upon our Blessed Mother and the Apostles. And I think rather than uh, begin that in the very few minutes we have prior to the first break, I'm going to begin to take your calls and emails. And you can begin, beloved, to call in with anything that's on your heart. I'll repeat what I often repeat that um, it does never have to be what we're speaking about. But the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. So call in or text toll-free with anything at all, one 511 5483 or email at mother at There's the music for our break. Okay, Um, then we will begin uh, to take your calls and your emails um, and your texts as soon as we come back from the break. Beloved, I'll give the toll-free number out again, 1-877-511-5483. And let me say, too, that if someone's confused about something I've said, you don't agree or you don't understand it or you've been taught otherwise, Don't be shy to call in, and we can maybe bring some clarity to it during the same program. Uh, It could be very helpful to many people that you don't go away confused or, or confused about what was truly said. Okay, beloved, God bless you. We'll see you right after the break. St. John Paul II said, All forms of missionary activity are marked by an awareness that one is furthering human freedom by proclaiming Jesus Christ. One way you can proclaim Christ is by displaying a Catholic Radio bumper magnet on your car. Request your free Catholic Radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Dominus et vobis 
to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and I'm here to take your calls, your texts, your emails, again, with anything that's on your heart. And um, I think it was just given out the number, but I'll give it to you again. It's toll-free at 1-877-511-5483. You may text at that number as well, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Dr. Tony Crahell in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing your name. It's K-R-E-H-E-L. And he writes, Dear, um, it's Tony with an I. I'm not sure if that's a man or a woman, actually, now. Um, Dear Mother Miriam, I have been the Florida director for the National Vaccine Information Center for 20 years. Most of my work during this time was to help individuals who had their religious exemptions denied or services slash admission, employment, etc. denied because they had a religious exemption. For 20 years, I have asked God many times, why me? I am not your person. Sounds like Moses. Why me? I'm not I'm not the one. But God has made it clear to me that this work and my path here is a mission from God. Well, blessed be God for that, Tony. Um, So I am resigned to staying in this spiritual battle for our lives and souls. We must be. I was devastated to the point of near nervous breakdown in 2014 when the Catholic Church in Florida decided to deny admission to their school's students who had religious exemptions. Now listen to this, beloved. This is one of the things we've been speaking about. She says, or he says, pardon me for that, I was devastated to the point of near nervous breakdown in 2014 when the Catholic Church in Florida decided to deny admission to their school students who had religious exemptions, all right? So now we're talking about vaccinations, and there were religious exemptions. But the Catholic schools would not even acknowledge those religious exemptions. And Tony writes, how in the world does the moral authority, capital M, capital A, how in the world does the moral authority on moral authority, that is, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, who is the more, God's moral authority on earth, how in the world does the moral authority on moral authority get to deny the very tenant upon which the Church stands, which is moral conscience? The Church, by this policy, is effectively saying 
religious exemption for me, but not for thee, to its dutiful members. This has been devastating to millions of devout Christians who endeavor to live by the word of God and scripture. On this matter, the Catholic Church has been corrupted from within. Ever since the Catholic Church did this, we are seeing the rise of Satan slash evil like wildfire. With massive propaganda and marketing programs, abuses of power in government and medicine, and bills introduced and passed to remove what the Constitution and our founding fathers provided for and based this country on, religious freedom. The Catholic Church has forsaken us. They have enabled Satan to gain more power over us. Beloved, we've been saying this. I have not said it so um, succinctly and um, articulately and authoritatively because I'm not in the system, but this this dear soul is. And, and he or she says, forgive me, Dr. Tony, but I, I can't tell... Um, I'm guessing with the I or a female, so I'll I'll say she for now. I hope I don't offend. She says, I am a devout Catholic. I taught confirmation classes to middle school students for about five years. So I had to study slash learn our faith so that I could teach it, which requires more than a lay person's understanding of our faith. But I am so disappointed and ashamed and sad. I am wondering if you are aware of this and have given it any of your attention. I am sure you are aware that both California and New York passed bills to remove religious exemptions. We are now fighting the same bill here in Florida. Legislators do not listen to their constituents and they most definitely will not listen to them if our church leaders are not standing up for religious freedom in this matter. Thank you, and God bless Dr. Tony Krehel, um, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And, and you, you have AP after your name. I'm so sorry. I'm not even, I'm not sure what, I don't know what those initials mean. Well, Dr. Tony, God bless you for that. And I, you've given me the opportunity. You're 100%, 1,000% correct, of course. In everything you say, and I'm 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 just so grateful that you wrote in with this um, uh, good email on awful things, um, and we've gotten uh, I personally, Station of the Cross, directly have gotten several, um, I guess you could say, complaints or uh, uh, arguments on some of the things I've been saying about vaccinations. Um, because the church allows vaccinations, even if they're made by um, for measles and such, by uh, from aborted baby parts and all of that, but because they were from the 1960s and they, they're not current, they keep reproducing them, all different stories. Um, and um, so people have been complaining that I'm, I'm speaking too strongly uh, against what the church teaches but I'm not. I am not. I I have um, supported what I've said. I've backed it up. I've done the research. Other people have confirmed it. And here is Dr. Tony Krehel, K-R-E-H-E-L, in Jacksonville, Florida, 
who is bemoaning this. Um, it's awful. And I want to make clear that I am not telling anyone whether or not to vaccinate their children or to have them vaccinated. If you are a Catholic parent and you want to vaccinate your children with the measles vaccine, even though I think its uh, origins, uh, the making of it is immoral, the church allows you to. And so you are not in sin. My point is not to not vaccinate your children. My point is to not allow anyone, schools, government, anyone, to control your children. You have to make the decisions. That is my point. And we'll be right back, beloved, right after this break. Please feel free to call in if you have questions. Toll free, one 877 511 or text or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, at last, a radio station worth listening to. Thank you, I love it. And Deepak writes, a Catholic media treasure troll, spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We have a little over 15 minutes all to ourselves, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Um, if you're struggling with this whole vaccination issue, 
um, and religious freedom. Um, I'm not on a, um, a rampage about against vaccinations. Um, I do believe that some of them are uh, um, stem from immoral sources. Uh, I do believe that others are dangerous. Uh, however, and and but I'm no expert in this. I only know what I read. Again, depending on, upon the accuracy of what I read, my point is: you, as parents, are the stewards of your children. Not the world, not the village, not the community, nobody. You, mom, dad, have been given the stewardship of your children. They're not yours. They belong to God. And he has given them to you to raise for his kingdom. And my point is, do not let anyone raise your children but you. Do not allow anyone to tell you what you must do. So if you're okay with vaccinating your children, um, and there are many good vaccines, uh, but there's no doubt about that, my goodness. Um, do your research, do your homework, and go, let your child be vaccinated. Um, don't worry about it. But if you don't want, if you say, no, I I have a, a, on religious grounds, I don't want my child to have this, or if it's a Catholic school and you say no, you must be respected. And if you're not, my point is don't let anyone rule or destroy or or decide what happens to your children. That's my point on this. You decide. If you want them to be vaccinated, don't worry about it. Or do your own research. But if you don't, it is it is communism. It's socialism. It's evil. No one has a right to do anything with your child. Um, and if you, without your permission, and if you uh, go to a Catholic school, which this Dr. Tony Crahell from Jacksonville is writing in about, and they, even in Catholic schools, do not allow religious exemptions, um, you got to pull your child out. And if you can't, you can't. But... Um, but I would, I would, because that's only the beginning of evil taking over your children. And you know what? I'm in the. I, I I called a very dear friend yesterday because I'm on a project now to gather good homeschooling, good, solid, traditional Catholic homeschooling material and sources, curriculum and sources, and. I want to gather that, and I want to do some research. And my dear friend Beth is on it, and she's sort of uh, going to gather some research. If I'll tell you this, if you have a re- very good, it must be traditional Catholic curriculum. Um, it must be absolutely solid and trustworthy. I want to give you begin to give you some resources, not only for curriculum, beloved. But what you can do if you can't stay home with your children, there are groups that get together. There are mothers that can be home and gather a few children from the neighborhood or from the parish and homeschool them in her home, even though it's not you, if you need to work part of the time. At least the children aren't attending 
um, a public school or in many sad cases, even a Catholic school that's not teaching the Catholic faith and that has too much control over your children and that has sex ed. No Catholic school should have sex ed. Absolutely not. That is the parents' um, uh, position, not the school's. It, and, and in many cases where they're taught sex ed, the women and men, the girls and boys aren't separated. It's, it's absolutely ruining your children. So that's what I'm saying. We're in an age now where you need to know what's happening and you need to take any measures, no matter how drastic, to raise your children, protect them and keep them Catholic and raise them for heaven. Uh, we have a call from Dawn in California. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Mother Miriam. Thanks for Hi, my call. Thank um, you, sweetie. I have, a, yes, um, I have a question. I attended a parent meeting that was mandatory for my daughter's um, first communion class. And the instructor lady, she said that um, the part that we say after the Our Father during Mass, I think it's for the, the kingdom, the glory, and the power are yours. Mm-hmm. She said that that's Protestant. Is that true? Um, it's, it's, you know, um, I know what she's saying because the Catholic prayer does not end with that. We included it mass. It is included at mass, but the, but the prayer doesn't end with that in the Catholic, um, um, rendering. It is, it does, it's always included in Protestant. And the understanding, uh, I, I don't know exactly. I, I had this in a study years ago. Um, it was said separately from the prayer. So it's not all together with the prayer that Jesus gave. But it were, was words that were said, I think, after and were put into Scripture. And so... Uh, it's said together with the Our Father. Uh, I cannot tell you, I think they're legitimate words, but the Catholic Church uh, has not included, they were not included in Scripture initially together. And so the Catholic Church separates that. So when we pray the Our Father by ourselves, we don't Mm -hmm. say the Kingdom. But the fact that it was added into the Mass, um, I have to tell you that I'm ignorant on this. I don't know oh, I if those words are in the traditional Mass, in the extraordinary form. Okay. See. Okay, but so that's something I would look up to see if it's in, like, the Latin Mass. That would be good. That would be good. Um, I, I, as far as I understand, the words are legitimate, um, and they were added in later, but they are still legitimate words our Lord spoke. Um, but I, I don't... I knew at one time, and I don't recall the the history of that anymore, um, because again, it is in Scripture. But I know that they were added into Scripture, so I'd have to know when it was added in this. I'd have to do some work on that, Dawn, myself. You know okay. what you might do to help you. I'm sorry, I cannot help you with this, but um, give. Give Catholic Answers a call, Catholic dot com. Speak to an apologist, and they will help you on it. <clears throat> okay, I'll do that. Thank you so much, Mother. Have a great You're weekend. You're welcome, Dawn. God bless you, dear. <clears throat> we have an email from Frederick who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I have two brothers that have left the Catholic Church and joined other Protestant churches. My question is this. Since my brothers have been instructed in the Catholic Church and were members for many years, 
Will they still receive salvation if they live a Christian life? Well, whether or not they'll receive salvation if they live a Christian life is completely up to God. I can't say that. The fact is, um, they are more accountable than people that it was were never raised in the Catholic faith because they left the church. They left Christ and they left the church when they went to a Protestant church. Protestant churches do not have Christ. They do not have the Eucharist. Only the Catholic church does. And so to leave the church that Christ founded and go to a um, protestant group, a group that broke off in the 16th century, is to leave the church Christ founded. And uh, they're not living a Christian life. They're living a rebellious life outside of the church. And there's no salvation outside the Catholic church. If somebody doesn't know that, that's one thing. But if they were Catholic and they leave it, they're in trouble. Now, my guess is if your brothers left the Catholic church, even though they were raised and instructed, uh, they never knew what the Catholic church is. So God alone knows their accountability, but no one can simply leave the Catholic church and live what they think is a Christian life and, um, and be saved. Uh, what is a Christian life? A Christian life is someone who is a follower of the Christ, and a follower of the Christ is in his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Okay. <clears throat> so I would say it's serious with your brothers, and you need to tell them, uh, urge them to find out what they left, even if they never knew what it was, uh, while they have the opportunity this side of heaven. We have an email from Rob in Morgan City, Louisiana. Hello, Mother, he writes. Thank you for boldly proclaiming the unchanging truth of our holy Catholic Church. Faithful Catholics are starving for this truth. Hold on. He says, I'm not sure if I missed it in prior videos, but please explain the most beautiful statue in your videos. <laughs> Common sense tells me it's Mary. Well, it is Mary, Rob, mother of Israel. However, we, it, Common tell, Sense tells me it's Mary, mother of Israel. However, we all know that Common Sense isn't so common nowadays. Thank you, and may all of heaven bless your postulate. Rob, dear one, thank you so much. Um, I absolutely love this statue. It was given as a gift and sent from Peru without a title. So I don't know. But she is the most Jewish-looking Mary that I've seen. This is true. Um, So um, I don't know. Some people have thought she was Our Lady of Guadalupe, but but no, I I can't. I, I put this rosary on her. Because there's not, you know, the black belt on Our Lady of Guadalupe is very, very important um, to show that she's pregnant. So that's not, she could be Our Lady of Palestine, Our Lady of Jerusalem. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I agree that, that she's beautiful. And, and thank you for acknowledging her. <clears throat> 
Um, we have an email from Annie from Somerville, Florida, who writes, Dearest Mother Miriam, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Shalom. Thanks, Annie. She says, what a wonderful blessing and gift you have to have found you on YouTube. I remember when you were on Catholic Radio years ago and would listen to hear if you were a guest as my commute to work was substantial over an hour. And back then, although you had not joined the convent, listening to your journey to Catholicism was so inspiring and made me feel so blessed to be a cradle Catholic. Your travels to the Catholic faith inspired me and learned um, so much from you. Question here now from Annie. If priests are active in practice and promote a homosexual lifestyle, okay, if priests are active in practice and promote a homosexual lifestyle, how can they be valid in their vocation? That's a good question. Um, They disqualify themselves through their sin. They disqualify themselves through their sin. They actually excommunicate themselves through their sin. She says, how can they offer the consecration of the Holy Eucharist, baptism, confirmation, sacrament of reconciliation, and sacrament of marriage, anointing of the sick? Isn't that being sacrilegious? Isn't that offensive to our Heavenly Father? It is. It is, Annie. It absolutely is. However, um, God has done a very, very wonderful thing. If it was up to us, sinners, um, all of us, uh, the church would never stand. God is the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So even if... A lot of the hierarchy, which is the case these days, have defected, have lost their faith or never had it and are leading the faithful astray and devastating the faithful. Even that we know that the church is still the church because God is keeping it. If a priest, when we go to receive the Eucharist, if he is in mortal sin, if he's homosexual or if he's not homosexual, but he's in mortal sin. We are yet receiving the body of blood, body and blood of Christ, because even if we go to the confessional and the priest is in mortal sin, how do we know if his absolution is true? Because God acts outside of the sacrament. It's very, very important. God is the one who changes bread into himself. God is the one who through the priest absolves us. And he still does that even if the priest is in grave sin. The sacraments, beloved, are still valid because God does it. The priest is in trouble, and yes, it's offensive to God, but um, they they are still valid because God has promised that. Okay, God bless you, dear one. There's our closing music. So we will wish you a magnificent weekend, and um, we'll speak with you on Monday. God bless you.